0: John, you've called me a lot of things on podcasts in the past, but this one takes the cake. Did you refer to me as a dick?
1: Yes. Yes, oh. I did.
0: Well, in fact, guess what? You may be my manager, but you're also a dick. We're well, all dicks.
1: Well, in this book, it was—I'm uh, not sure how many times she references dicks, but yes. it was—it uh, seems it, it's a fun. It was a fun book. This is a fun interview, actually.
0: It was a very fun interview, and 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 Dick in this context was a term of endearment. Uh tune into this podcast with Debbie Tolbert Duggar. Lots of fun.
1: Welcome to the Behind the Bars Podcast, where we discuss all things motorcycles, memories, and mayhem. Oh, this is awesome. Sponsored by Wilkins Harley Davidson. Let's get this thing started. Here's John and Mark.
0: Okay, everybody, I have the distinct honor today of introducing our guests, those of you who follow The podcast on a regular basis know that this is usually where John uh, shines and and does his thing, Uh, but he's given me the task today, and so it's my pleasure to introduce to you uh, an author uh, who has written a wonderful book called Writing Solo, and that is spelled S-O-U-L-O, so you know this is a spiritual podcast, my favorite kind. Uh, We welcome on board today Debbie Tolbert, Duggar, welcome, Debbie. Hi, guys.
2: How are you?
0: We are excellent. We're so excited to be talking with you today. Um, you sent us two copies of your book, uh, which we have been. I must. I'll be straight up. I'll be honest with you. This is a long it's a big book. book. It's it's a fat book. Yeah. It's kind of like the War and Peace of writing stories. It is. Um, I was it,
2: hoping you would divide it
1: up. Did well, you do that? Well, oh it, yeah. It's yeah. We definitely out. divided it up, but I I wouldn't classify it as War and Peace. Mark A. You you never re- you never read War and Peace, but secondly, um, <laughs> War and Peace is boring. This book is is fun. I give you that, and uh, it's
0: inspirational. It is inspirational, and it is chock full of really awesome human stories about Debbie's journey from what she self described as a dismal place to what appears to be enlightenment.
1: So, uh, Debbie, so you know, Mark read page one and page uh, four hundred and fifty
0: nine negative. Not Perfect. not true. First,
2: first page and the last page.
1: Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yep. Essentially, okay. that's what he did.
0: That is that is incorrect. I will admit to scanning because I didn't have as much time as I wanted to. Yeah, some I understand. of the chapters
1: either way. Why don't we just get into interviewing Debbie?
0: Yeah, let's do that. Debbie, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for my partner. He loves to go, you know, like head-to-head head with me partner. on these podcasts. Podcast yeah. partner. Yeah, okay. Podcast partner.
2: <laughs> hey, but that was an awesome uh, intro, though. I really-
1: it was. Actually, Mark, uh, I, once in a while I commend Mark, and uh, he did a great job. The only thing that you did not see on the board, though, Debbie, is he peaked out. So literally all of our listeners had to turn their volume down in their car or turn their earphones or headphones down and then turn it back up because he just got so enthusiastic.
0: Well, I, I am excited about this because I sense that uh, Debbie and I are kindred spirits because we're both soul orientated people. Her book says so. Mm-hmm. And you know that you are like more of the sort of gearhead guy yeah right so Debbie enough about us we want we want to chat with you so uh, you know I I I just would really love for you to describe for our listeners the moment because it's a it's a really well-written part of your book at the very beginning when you talk about getting off of a bike which you had rode as a passenger on many many times with many different people and decided. That was not going to happen again, that you were going to ride your own bike. What happened?
2: Yeah. It was a cross-country trip from Daytona Beach to Santa Monica, much of uh, Route 66. I was a passenger for that trip. It was um, horrendous. It was how fast can we get there. It was a lot of turmoil. It was a lot of um, scenery flying by and uh, coming back. I realized that I did not want to, first of all, travel that way, but I also realized that I was in a relationship that I did not want to be in. So, you know, for me, the motorcycle has been parallel. My motorcycling has been parallel with the events of my life, and... Um, I literally, because we rode all the way from Lake Charles, Louisiana to Central Florida, which is about 750 plus miles in one day. Wow. And I climbed off the back of that bike. I looked at the man who was operating it and I said, I'm getting my own. And I didn't realize it then, but what I was really saying was, I need to get my own life. And, um, I went out. I took the endorsement uh, course through Harley Davidson, the Rider's Edge course, and um, passed it with flying colors. I was born to ride, and um, proceeded to look for a
0: motorcycle to buy. Well, that that that's that's awesome. I, I'm so happy to hear that you are a Riding Academy alum.
1: You no, know, Rider's Edge, Mark.
0: Rider's Edge, or oh, was it? That's,
2: yeah, I took it to Harley Davidson. Mark, yeah, r- Mark, Rider's, Rider's
1: Edge is the predecessor to Riding Academy.
0: Oh, is that right? Okay. Well, that still makes. I just want to lump. clarify.
1: I I, I enjoy uh, finding ways to correct Mark, and so this is one way that I corrected him, Debbie.
0: Yeah, so I stand. I stand <laughs> I'm corrected. That sense.
2: I've listened to you guys on your podcast a lot, and the banter is genuine. I guess.
1: Oh, it's definitely genuine. Oh, you know, you know what I often refer to Mark as?
2: No. A dick. in my book that really resonates with.
1: if I if I was able to do a search function on your book, how many times do you think that the word dick shows up in your book?
0: Oh Jesus. Oh, I'm not sure I wanna know. Okay, so you know, you know
2: dick is one of those words that it's one of those words that is a noun, a proper noun, an adjective, a verb. True, you true. Know, it's, it's a very functional word. Very, very, um,
0: useful. You know, Debbie, John is snickering behind the microphone here a little bit because we talked about your use of the term "Dick" throughout the book, and we we debated whether or not we would bring it into the equation. But I insisted that we well, would because here we are. Well, I, here. I, you know, here's here's my sense. My sense at some parts of the book was that. Uh, the the term dick was used in a sort of derogatory way. But in other parts of the book, I felt like it was a real term of endearment. In fact,
1: (laughs) (laughs) when I use it with you, I'm not using it as a term of endearment, Mark.
0: Well, no, for instance, for instance, yes, for instance, go ahead
1: and read the passage. Is he Debbie is Mark authorized to read a passage out of the book? Is he able to reproduce a piece of the book? Okay, perfect. Yeah. Well, well, Go ahead.
0: In her acknowledgments at the beginning of the book, which I thought was, was beautifully written for all of the people in her lives, she acknowledges the dicks.
1: Right, okay? the dicks of the world. And
0: she says in the book, uh, To the dicks in my life who helped me recognize my strengths and weaknesses, you may not appreciate my portrayal of our times together, but rest assured, your presence was instrumental in my spiritual growth. What a dedication! Now, that I mean, how how could that be possibly derogatory?
1: Well, I enjoyed reading that. It was uh, it, it was um, what was what was I thinking when I read that? It was uh, just such real true dedication to those uh, folks that were dicks. Were dicks? So well, so-
2: trust me, if you were mentioned in the book as a dick, you. Totally earned that presence, that right in my life. That, um, <laughs> it.
0: Well, <clears throat> it it certainly seems that some of the dicks that crossed paths with you, um, you know, made more favorable impressions than others. Uh, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. But none there were
2: th- some endearing dicks.
0: Yes, no they, question.
2: They weren't all dick dicks.
0: That's right. That's right. It's and I and I, I just thought it was a really sort of funny way that you. Um, Referred to these interactions with gentlemen, and I, you know, I was really, I was really brought to think about a, a poignant subject that's going on a lot in these days, of course, with women, and that is that it seemed to me that prior to your uh, epiphany about finding yourself on a motorcycle, that a lot of your life and your identity was associated with uh, with the relationship or with the man that you were with. Yeah, yeah, and, and
2: that was part of what I needed to break free from. And, um, you know, I had reached the point in my life where I was 52 years old. My daughters were about to graduate from high school and go on to college. Um, Actually, my youngest daughter had already left our family unit. Um, You know, I had always identified as somebody's daughter, somebody's wife, somebody's mother. And I was facing that empty nest. And, I, you know, this, this message resonated with a lot of women who I have been in contact with and have heard from since as readers that I did not have a, a, a role that I had defined for myself. And the motorcycle helped me do that.
0: That's, you know, you, you mention in the book uh, about self-actualization in the life stages that, um, that people go through before they actually arrive at who they are. And if I may, I wanted to, to, to quote one more thing in your book that, I, that is a quote that I was familiar with. By the way, all of the quotes in your book were, were wonderful to read and She's inspirational. She selected great quotes. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Thank but you. my favorite one is on page 145, and it's a quote by Barbara Kingsolver, uh, where she says that every one of us is called upon probably many times to start a new life. And I just love that. It's something I've read before, and it's something that's taken a place in my heart. And I think what's interesting about it is not that it's a singular event, is it?
2: No, and it's... No, it isn't a singular event. In fact, since I wrote the book, I've been redefining myself. (laughs) Because now I'm an author who has a motorcycle habit, you know, and um, that's a little bit different for me. But many times I've redefined myself. You know, this... This book is a parallel of my life as I have um, in in an eight-year period, really. And, um, you know, if you're out there living it and if you're out there taking risks, then you're going to be faced with um, life challenges. And I talk about every one of those challenges I've had. I talk about love. I talk about loss. I talk about suicide, depression, alcoholism, recovery. Uh, a career that sucks, you know. I talk about all those things, and I literally—it's an open book about how I have um, encountered those challenges. I've overcome those challenges in the motorcycles been that vehicle for me, both literally and metaphorically. So,
0: so what is it exactly that happens to you, Debbie, when you get on a motorcycle and you're and you're dealing with one of these? uh events in your life that are hard to get over or hard to to you know circumnavigate what what is it about the motorcycle
2: you know i it's hard to put it in words i i hope i i did it in my book at, at a couple points but um and and i just have to say that a very huge impact on my motorcycle travels and my writing was neil peart who of course we just lost last week to uh brain cancer and, um, you know, in 2008, I read his book, Ghostwriter, and um, Peart was such a gifted author, and so many people know him as the drummer for Rush, but I'm a Neil Peart fan. I was never much of a Rush fan, but I read his book, and he tried to put those things, that the answer to that question, in words as well. I just know that I don't ride to win races. I don't go out there and create big world rallies or set speed records. I mean, there are some badass women out there doing all of that. Um, I don't ride to prove a point. I ride because when everything else is going wrong, the wind and the road is where I find my center. It's where I, it's where I'm centered. It's where I find balance, and I think that's literal and metaphorical too. You. The sheer act of operating a motorcycle, especially on a challenging road or in challenging road conditions, is what it takes every bit of focus that you can laser in on to do just that, and I love that. I love that because it it reinforces to me that vibration between your legs, the vibration coursing up through your, your arms and the shift and, you know, all of that. That's what it does. I get centered.
1: Debbie what would you say Your favorite story out of uh, Riding Solo is
2: um, Yeah that's easy It's the um, It's the one about my uh, Dad where I went Home to Oh my god and now I'm going to look at my chapters um, Salvation in the Heartland Is um, Really one of my favorite Stories and Th- This
1: is the one with uh, Evelyn Pardon me? Is this the one with Evelyn?
2: Evelyn?
1: Uh, yeah, the church. There's the. <laughs>
0: no.
2: Talking about my dad's funeral.
1: Yes.
0: Uh, yeah. Uh,
2: you know, the, the gathering, the gathering part one and two. You know, after I wrote that about my dad's funeral and um, my editor called me and she said, Debbie, this is the best chapter you have written. I am in tears. I am laughing hysterically. And this is a funeral He said you've been able to bring together the um, just the pure dysfunction and humor and sadness all at
1: once could you could you tell tell the tell the listeners just a little brief piece about that Debbie just because I I, I, I it was meaningful and I, I think it's important that they know the background on that
2: okay yeah um, I it was in 2014 I think it was um, where I had just I arrived in uh, Colorado Springs, I was just getting ready to ride up Pikes Peak. And I got that phone call at 4.30 a.m. mountain time that no one wants to get, you know, and it's my brother to tell me that our dad had committed suicide. And um, I was stunned. I was stunned. And um, I guess fast forward, I did ride up Pikes Peak. And, um, and that was a, a, a very spiritual thing to do, with the heavy awareness of, of this. But now I had to get up from Colorado to Indiana, which is where I was born and raised. And uh, for my dad's funeral, we have four days to do it. And um, once I got there, things started happening very fast. My brother just started shoving money in my hands, and, and this this ratchet fire. Uh, information about what was happening and when it was happening. And um, then, then I said, who's doing the eulogy? He said, well, no one's doing the eulogy. I said, well, I am. Anyway, it was decided that we would not say, we would not talk about the elephant in the room because it just didn't seem acceptable to certain members of my family. Um, and that's the suicide word, you know. And I'm not afraid to speak about suicide, because another thing my editor told me, she goes, you really need to write about this, because someone may read it and not commit suicide. Someone may read it and reach out to someone who's thinking about suicide. Um, suicide is devastating to your family. And I, did, I work a program of honesty. And we're standing at the funeral home, and my uh, dad had been very close with his church family. In particular, several old ladies, and um, the one, is it Evelyn? I forget. I think I gave her a pseudonym. Of course I gave her a pseudonym. We'll call her Evelyn. She comes wheeling up to the casket, um, and, of course, I was first. I'm the oldest, so I was first there in the receiving line at, at that day, and um, she came wheeling over to me, and she said, I didn't even know your dad was sick. I said, he wasn't sick. He shot himself. And she <laughs> reared back. I thought she was going to fall over. My brother and I taught her. But then I looked at my brother and I said, okay, I get it. We're not going to tell anyone. Well, um, Evelyn wheeled herself back to the back. And, of course, within minutes she had told everyone. So I guess we solved that problem with that little faux pas that I made. And uh, I don't regret it. I don't regret it at all.
1: No. Well, and we interviewed um, Debbie. We interviewed Grant Bourne a couple of years ago on this podcast, who who rides across country to raise awareness for suicide prevention. It's oh. an organization called Ride Out of the Darkness. So if you oh. get an opportunity, link up with Grant. He certainly is a interesting guy, and listen to that podcast. But um, he's still will, he's I still riding. Yeah. So so what would be what would what, you know that was an interesting chapter. Um, very moving, what would you say your the, the most exciting part of the book is for someone, without ruining it, for people that are p- trying to purchase your book?
2: Um, I'll, I'll just give you the comments I've gotten on it. I will get um, emails and um, posts on my author page on Facebook that, um, oh, my God, I just got back from the trip from uh, the Cabot Trail with you, and I'm exhausted. I want to see it all over again. You know, it's it's the writing, um, the, the the trips, and people have commented that um, you know they're right there with me with my descriptions. And this book started out as a blog that I did when I was traveling, and uh, so I did a lot. I, I intended it to be a travel log originally. But somewhere along the way, it became a parallel with my life and some of the struggles I was going through, and that aspect started to resonate with readers. So I think it's the travel. Um, I'm very descriptive with the routes I've taken, the experiences I've had along the way, some of the things I've missed for one reason or another. So if you're a, a traveler, then I think that's the most exciting part. I'm not, sure. I'm, I'm not sure about other parts that would be exciting. That's a good question. I'll have to
0: think about it. Well, you know, Debbie, I, I think I would, I'll would. i chime in here and say that's the thing that's so interesting about your book is that y- you deal with a lot of human uh, stories that are very poignant, that touch all aspects of life, happy, sad, and everything in between, but it's also a fascinating sort of arm tra- armchair travel guide. Your, yeah. des- your descriptions of your rides and your journeys in various places – um, are, are so full of detail and and, and so um, they create such images for the reader. I think f- from that perspective alone, this book is fantastic because if you're looking for ideas for great rides, this book is chock full of that. And on top of that, you get all of these human stories about your experiences in life uh, and the people that you've met. And so for, for that reason, I think it's, it's, it's compelling on a couple levels. Um, I appreciate that. My yeah.
2: Uh, Frank Frank Bourne, and Frank is a um, Harley Davidson Million Mile uh, Club member. He's um, he I sent it to him to review, and his one comment was to me, he said, this is a must-read for every writer, especially women who want to throw their leg over the saddle and chase the horizon. And I love that, because um, that's certainly what I love doing, and I'm happy that it came through in my writing that... Um,
1: that is what I love doing. Well, and and we had agreed before we even started this, Debbie, that we were not going to endorse the book. But it sounds like Mark is really kind of gone past that that line that I sort of had said, <laughs> you know, don't. We're not endorsing the book, Mark. We're just talking about it with Debbie, right? And then now he's gone in to speak eloquently about how amazing this book is. So I, I appreciate that, Mark, for crossing that. Boundary line. <laughs> Debbie, I have a question. What advice do you have for for women that are interested in, in riding um, besides taking a, a, a course? What, what would you say to them uh, if they're thinking about getting into the sport of motorcycling?
2: Yeah, well, first of all, read my book. <laughs> I think it will inspire you. And there are <laughs> other books out there. Um, Elisa Clickinger just uh, wrote a book, published a book about the same time I did on gain women it's gear towards women of course and how to gain confidence in your life and on a bike that's a really good uh reference manual too um you know go to some garage nights i have uh tampa harley davidson i have uh participated a couple garage nights with them i've got one coming out for Nader harley davidson and i wish those would have been around when i was considering getting into writing they're very informative Women want a safe place to ask questions. They don't want to be judged, uh, you know, and they want a safe place to learn about the motorcycle, what's uh, the right size for them, what kind of gear they should have. Um, So there's garage nights. There are books out there. Um, Go to some of the rallies, you know. I'm going to be in – Lisa will be there too. We're going to be at the Mid-Atlantic Women's Motorcycle Rally in June in York, PA doesn't matter if you don't ride. Drive over because there's going to be a lot of seminars that talk about those things. And you're going to connect with other women who are out there riding and enjoying life. And I I think that's the best way to do it is get out there among other women who are riding.
0: Well, Debbie... It's uh, it's hard to know where to go from here after John's last comment about me endorsing <laughs> the book because I don't think I endorsed the book. I just celebrated a couple of uh, my experiences having uh-huh. read the book. I think I, I, you know. I, 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 so I'm not sure that really constitutes endorsement. Okay. But you know, nonetheless,
1: are are you retracting your endorsement? No,
0: it's not. I didn't say no. I endorsed the book. Well, I wasn't seeking
2: an endorsement. No. But no.
1: Well, well we we know you're not we 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 know certainly you did not seek out any endorsement and i'm just having a little fun with mark here but we literally have uh exceeded we're already at 23 minutes so do do you, you mark has like two pages of questions do you have one more pointed question that you want to ask debbie about her writing time or her book before we uh wrap this one up
0: um, no, I, I, I think I've gotten pretty much everything covered that I wanted to do. I'm glad she mentioned Neil Peart. Uh, I'm a fan as well uh, for both reasons, as a drummer uh, who we just lost and as a writer. And yeah. she quotes Neil in this book. Uh, she quotes a, a passage about his thoughts on peace. And, yes. I, and I'm and i not even open to it because I know that quote as well. Uh, and I think that's a fantastic quote. Uh, do you want to just elaborate quickly on the the spirit of that quote, Debbie? Because I thought it was a really good one to keep in the book.
2: And timely, since he just passed.
0: Yeah. Well, it's it uh, it's about peace and about how peace is not an ongoing thing; it's a momentary thing in between the challenges that life presents. us, mm-hmm. So we have a misconception yeah, about a what point peace is.
2: Yeah, between destinations. Yeah. Is what he called it, and it's not you're not intended to stay there very long to get moving again
0: because we can. Exactly. Just like riding a motorcycle. Exactly. Yeah. Well mm-hmm. said, John. Very yeah. well said. Nice way to wrap it up.
1: Well, Debbie, we appreciate it sincerely. Thank you so much for carving out some time. We know you're busy. Um, and uh, we look forward to you know following up with you down the road. Um, and uh, just want to thank you for writing this, this exceptional book that uh, I think will be um, inspirational to both men and women. Uh, Dick's included.
0: That sounds like another endorsement to me.
2: Dick's included. <laughs> In fact, I'll give a fifty percent off to to Dick who who emailed me and said I'd like a copy of that book. Oh.
1: So, so, uh okay, perfect. So how do they how do they get the book and how do they get that deal, Debbie? Yeah.
2: My website is Bessie B-E-S-S-I-E and me dot com.
1: Bessie and me dot com.
2: Yeah, Bessie and me dot com. Okay. Okay. And um, they can also email me through
1: there. Okay, perfect. Well, we, we will certainly link uh, link the uh, right on the podcast here for our listeners. So if they want to check that out or uh, read a little bit about Debbie, you certainly can do that. Uh, Debbie, thank you so much for carving out some time. We really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. You're welcome. Thank you. Okay. Thank, Thanks, thank you. Thanks Bye-bye. for listening to the Behind the Bars podcast, sponsored by Wilkins Harley Davidson. Stay tuned for our next exciting podcast.
2: Check out additional information on wilkinsharley.com.